0: Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening.
1: Romans 7 verses 7 and 8, which kind of goes back to what we talked about on Wednesday and the importance of the law. And Romans 7, 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law for I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had said, you shall not covet. Mm -hmm. And so again, the law is this beautiful gift where God sets a standard for how we're to relate to him and other people. And ultimately it shows us that we cannot keep it and we need God's grace. And it's the Holy Spirit who then comes in and empowers us and allows us to follow Christ and to really hold on to the beauty of the law Mm -hmm. as we Mm -hmm. relate with God and other people.
0: That's... Mainly kind of my main takeaway too, uh, if you flip to verse 21, it sounds like this. So I find this work law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. And so what we could never do for ourselves through the law... Um, Or otherwise, just grateful that Jesus has come, Mm. um, that he has resurrected, that I can uh, walk empowered by the Holy Spirit, knowing that um, in my humanness, in my finiteness, even though I couldn't do it, Jesus has done it for me, and I can journey with him. I love it. Okay.
1: So, looking ahead to Sunday. Again, one of the lines Pastor Ken and I have brought up throughout this sermon series is, remember we're talking about people not concepts, not theories. We're talking to people who battle a number of, of issues, and I'm preaching that myself right now. And so we're talking about what does it look like to be loved by God, mm-hmm. um, to follow Him, and to use our bodies in a way that honors God. Uh, the starting spot in any story is really important. You have to start at the beginning. If you miss out on the beginning, the opening couple scenes of any movie or book, you're going to be baffled and confused later on. Yeah. And so uh, you've heard Genesis 1 and 2 brought up a lot the last couple of weeks. Genesis 1, um, God blesses them. God created mankind in his own image. It's in the image of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, After that, he says it's very, very good. And he gives them responsibility to steward everything he created. Anytime uh, sexual um, relations is brought up in the scriptures, it goes back to male and female, and marriage, it goes back to Genesis account where the first marriage was had in the Bible. Uh, Jesus goes back to the creation account. Paul goes back to the creation account. Uh, Even Peter goes back and references that often in their writing. So Genesis 1 is really, really important for us. It talks about male and female. As the Bible teaches us male and female, the science behind it is still true. There are four indicators that um, help biologically make someone either a male or a female. Bobby, Nurse Bobby, you know well, you know, you studied this. Yeah. X and Y chromosomes, the the <laughs> presence or absence of a Y chromosome sure. makes you male or female. Women have XX, male have XY. Um, and internal reproductive organs differentiate males from females. External reproductive organs um, differentiate males from females. The endocrine system that produces secondary sex characteristics like body hair, and high voice or deep voice, uh, those kind of things. God allowed our body to be created in certain ways that make us different. So it's really important to note here that when the Bible talks about male and female, biological sex is not socially constructed. It's something that God has made and that God has ordained. And no matter where you go throughout the history of this earth, in any place of this earth, those four things, the the Y chromosome, the internal-external reproductive organs, and the endocrine system separate male from female. Now, when you flip the Bible to Genesis 3, that's where sin comes into the picture. And confusion then wrecks all creation at every level. And again, we've preached on porn, we've preached on masturbation, we preached on cohabitating and dating. Uh, we're speaking to everybody here. Um, when it comes to the transgender um part of the the, community and this conversation, there's an extremely wide spectrum of people who identify differently. Um, I had to spend a number of hours reading books, and I read Preston Sprinkle's book, Embodied. I highly, highly recommend that. It's a little easier read when it comes to this topic, just making sense of it. And even then, I still had a notebook, and I was writing stuff down and definitions and thoughts. And then the other book I highly, highly recommend, probably a top five book of my all-time reading is a book by Nancy Percy called Love Thy Body. It's definitely a more philosophical and academic read. The sources and the sites that she has, her citations, are incredibly helpful um, in breaking this down. So when it comes to the transgender um, community, people identify differently. And when there's a saying that's brought up, if you've met one trans person, you've met one trans person. It's like you met one Corver. you met all the Corvers. Like it's not true when it comes to the Mm. transgender community. People identify differently. And here are a couple definitions, Bobby, if you could read them when it goes to like the gender dysphoria and then underneath there to the gender, gender identity. And a quick disclaimer, I'm not saying you have to agree with all these definitions and these words. However, if our ultimate goal is to make disciples of Jesus Christ and meet people where they are, having a mutual understanding on the vocabulary that's being used is crucial. Otherwise, how are we expected to communicate with people if we don't understand each other and what they're saying? So it's vital that we understand what these terms mean to the world and the community around us.
0: So for the sake of this podcast and the sermon, these are kind of like the defining words and what they mean as we continue talking. Gender is a psychological, social, and cultural aspect of being male or female. Gender identity describes the psychological aspects associated with being male or female. Gender role describes the social and cultural aspects of being male and female. Mm -hmm. That's hugely important. And if you could hop
1: hop up a little bit to the definition of gender dysphoria, this is a really important term we have to talk about.
0: Okay. A psychological term used for the distress people feel when their internal sense of self doesn't match their biological sex.
1: That's really important to note. Okay, so they're saying what's, what I'm experiencing inside my body does not line up with how um, my body is created on the outside. So when it comes to the world, the world has embraced this idea and uh, this, this topic of being transgender. Clinicians are um, promoting cross-hormone therapy, sex redefinement, reassignment surgery, a number of these things. Uh, when you look at New York City, they have 31 and more genders being promoted throughout like their restaurants, their work, different places of life. Facebook um, says there's more than 51 genders people can identify as. There are soji laws now that are being brought up. We can talk about that more later, which stands for sexual orientation and gender identity laws based on the assumption that one can be born in the wrong body. So for those of you listening from California, which is a lot of us, uh, Bob, you want to read the California Education Code sure. when it comes to our public schools?
0: Gender is, quote, a person's gender identity and gender-related appearance and behavior, whether or not stereotypically associated with the person's assigned birth at sex.
1: So again, the underlying message assigned here is, sex at birth, yeah, sorry. who I am on the inside is different from my body. And what's happening here is you're seeing a slow transition, and this is something I've observed and read from many other articles and books, is there's a transition away from human rights to legal rights. With the SOGI laws, the sexual orientation, gender identity laws, when it comes to your passport, when it comes to identity, when it comes to a number of these things, who is deciding what gender you are? Well, they're putting options up, and it's being legally... um, edified and upheld to the point where people can be sued if you don't succumb and submit to like, their definitions of, of gender. Mm. Um, once the marriage was redefined in court to be, be, be between two people, you saw it kind of Pandora's box officially opened. And now there's a lot of topics of conversation on the table as we're revisiting relationships and a number of things. Uh, one of the things that struck me all the way back in 2011 is in president Obama's administration began the movement to delete mother and father off of legal documents and instead put parent one and parent two. And so when it comes to this, uh, you're having to decide again, the legality of it, who gets to decide who is a child, what gender the child is, who is the parent of this child. Mm-hmm. And these things that were once not questioned at all are now being brought up for discussion. Um, When it comes to this topic, this is a very real topic, the gender dysphoria, for a lot of people. There's tons of science that's being done. As of right now, there is no scientific evidence for anyone being born with a specific uh, sexual gene that makes them uh, uh, gay or uh, any form of transgender. Um, And so... At the same time, people are being born and it's they're having a hard time relating. You see suicide rates are really high. Depression and anxiety are really high. Schizophrenia is really high um, in these communities. And so as you talk about this, you're talking about people. Our goal as Christians is to extend empathy to these folks who are, who are really hurting. Um, and at the end of the day, though, this disalignment that we all experience is uh, disalignment, unalignment. I'm not sure what the right word is there. Yeah. Where we're... we're di- we're not aligned properly. We're, all of us, when it comes to our body, realize something's off. Whether mm-hmm. you're a man attracted to a man or you're a man attracted to a bunch of women, like there's a temptation there and going, I need help. And that's what Romans 8 gets at, where all of creation is hurting and in need of God to come and realign and redeem and restore mm-hmm. what was good was broken and one day will be made good again. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the the Bible here and who Jesus is and what he has to say about this. Again, every time Christ talks about sexuality, he refers to two genders. He refers to male and he refers to female. And what's really important about that is that is ingrained as being part of being made in the image of God, being image mm-hmm. bearers. It's always attached to male and female, like two human beings They are similar in many ways, but are also vastly different. And as we talked about in the sermon last Sunday, uh, God's heart is to procreate. Notice the language today has changed to reproduce as if we are some factory or whatever. God wants to create life. That's his desire. Mm -hmm. And the genitalia we were born with plays a really important role in not only the mission he's called us to, but um, our our idea of being an image bearer. Mm -hmm. So when he's talked about it, he goes back, haven't you read? Go back to the beginning. Genesis 1. They were born male and female. But I do want to bring up another passage real quick that is, Brought up. So, to be fair, if you're talking to someone who's like, f- comes from like progressive Christianity camp, and they're like, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, but I also think that uh, cross hormone therapy is helpful and sex reassignment surgery is good, the passage that's often brought up is Matthew 19, verse 12, and Jesus talking about eunuchs. Mm-hmm. Can you read that for us, Bobby? Yeah.
0: For there are eunuchs who were born that way, there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it.
1: Okay. So eunuchs. When it comes to the day and age where Jesus was speaking, there were three different categories for Mm -hmm, eunuchs. mm -hmm. One was a group of people, almost always men, who had no sexual desire and could therefore serve um, the king's daughters or the king's harem or whatever. Uh, the underlying issue there is that they were infertile, so they couldn't harm the king's family. True. Secondly, they're a group of men or boys that lacked secondary male features like facial hair or, again, a deep voice. And it's almost always because they were castrated before puberty. They were servants. Um, they were uh, instruments of sex for rich and famous people, which is evil. And, again, they were infertile. Uh, the third and most clear category is, again, they were just infertile men. So whether they were born that way, or they were made that way by by man, or they chose that way, um, the infertility here is the common theme. So the common denominator, when we're talking about eunuchs, we're not talking about uh, transgender. The Bible's saying there's two pronouns, male and female. Okay. What Jesus is talking about in Matthew 19 here is is people who are experiencing infertility. And that's been upheld throughout, really, church history, looking at the scriptures. Hmm. So anyways, I wanted to give that to you. Jesus is looking at the creation account. Matthew 19 is often brought up. Um, God comes kind of against us, and he says, your body is really important. So for instance, when you go to Romans 6 and Romans 12 and a lot of Paul's writings, Mm -hmm. he refers to you, and he refers to your body interchangeably, because your body and your internal self... Um, need to go on a journey of realignment. That's God's job. That's his creation. That's his desire. That's his heart when he says you are made integrated people. What you do with your body really matters. Mm -hmm. So for instance, in Romans 6, verses 13 to 14, it says don't offer any part of yourself to sin. Offer yourselves to God. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And when you offer yourselves to someone, blah, blah, blah. Go to Romans 12, verse 1. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Mm. So when Paul's talking about you, he's talking about all of you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. Um, The underlying lie again in almost all of our sermons has been like hookup culture. I can do A with my body. And then and Z, with my spirit, they're not affected. Mm-hmm. But then you look at stats when it comes to depression, it comes to anxiety, it comes to sexually transmitted infections and diseases. Mm-hmm. You see, that is not the case, and it does not line up with your reality or mine. What we do with our bodies affects the deepest part of ourself. And as we go to Christ, we are all in need of realignment, saying, Lord, would you please have your way with us? Um, even when you look at the resurrection, Bobby, if you, uh, go up a little bit, Mm -hmm. up a little, Oh, right there. When you read that for us, when you look at pre-resurrection and post-resurrection, it seems that we're going to have sexed bodies. Again, you're going to be a male or you're going to be a female. Could you read those four bullet points for us right there?
0: Sure. So uh, what we read in Genesis one and two is that sex uh, differences were there before sin, like Clark said at the at the very beginning. That's how God made it. God designed it. So that was a big that's a big thing to differentiate biological sex versus gender roles, because a lot of folks will say like, no, you know, that's just the the Christian folks that put that stereotype out there saying you know the male female where it's like well actually biology that's where biological sex and gender differentiate that that's not where the stereotype comes from we're saying um, that this truth comes from god himself so before sin then in uh, matthew chapter 121 you read that jesus was a male before the resurrection so he he was you know distinctly um biologically sexed as yeah. a male then jesus resurrection by bot- Resurrection is a model for our resurrection, so the same is true for us. Um, like Clark's saying, so that comes out of Romans one and 1 John three, and what Clark Romans had said, eight, uh, sorry, Romans eight. You're yeah, good. I know we're already at fifteen minutes, you guys. Holy cow, we could like talk about this for like nine years. So. Um, anyway, what Clark was saying though, about us being made in the image of God is that it's in our union as male and female that we reflect the image of God together. So we are made in the image of God as male and as female and in our union that we also reflect God. And then finally, Paul details our resurrection bodies, draw bodies, draws from the creation account. So as Paul's talking about this in first Corinthians 15, he too is drawing back from the very beginning, from Genesis uh, chapters 1 and 2, mm-hmm. from the picture of our maleness and femaleness.
1: That's right. And so as you look at this, the Bible has a lot to say about our bodies being sexed. When it comes to what the world wants to do today with cross hormone therapy, a sex reassignment surgery, uh, folks who have detransitioned are coming out, even though their their voices are kind of being um, squashed by government, politics, health institutions, a number of different places saying, we're not talking about this. If you read Embodied or you read Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body, see this is very, very true. When you look at the results of people um, and how they experience life after these therapies and sex reassignment surgeries, it's really, really sad. Higher anxiety rates, higher rates of depression, eating disorder, schizophrenia, OCD, ADHD, higher levels of autism, um, when you keep going through it, you see that there's adverse re- reflections in their cholesterol and blood pressure. There's a risk for heart attack and stroke risk for blood clots, higher risk of cancer, mm-hmm. increased risk of diabetes, lifetime of low energy, increased, increased risk of infertility. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, if you look up the New York times article from January 13th, there's tons of doctors coming out saying, before we allow anybody to touch a hormone, they have to go through therapy because the, the fruit of therapy has been so negative and the, the surveys that have been done for the benefit of of cross-hormone therapy. For instance, NIH, National Institute of Health, gave know, a $6 million grant to some lady here in California to find the benefits of cross-hormone therapy. It's like they're, they're intentionally seeking out how this can be a good thing and why this can be a good thing. When so many of the data and results coming in from decades-long surveys from Sweden and Denmark and other places in Europe mm. are showing this is incredibly, incredibly harmful and uh these doctors are coming out in this new york times article saying you got to have therapy before anyone touches a hormone because this is really harming people it's really harming people so there's so much to say here uh, when it comes down to again like what are we supposed to do with all of this one of the common themes when it comes from people exiting the lgbtq plus community is the idea for a relationship and hospitality yeah and just wanting to be heard, wanting to be known, wanting to be included. And and Jesus constantly modeled that. Yeah. He constantly did it. There's a call for everybody to repent and follow Christ. And so just like there, people from the transgender community are invited to repent and follow Christ, the same is true for you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, but creating a place where people are able to be heard— and just because we don't, we aren't able to relate to someone else's background and story, which is actually a ton of examples, even in my own small group. Tons, yeah, tons. It's like, it doesn't mean that they can't be part of this. And so the question I'm asking myself is, am I a safe or an unsafe person to be approached yeah. when it comes to someone who is battling sin in any area? Um, mm. And how's the Holy Spirit inviting me and you to grow, to become safer people mm-hmm. in learning about that? Um, Just a while back, when we were having our outside services, there was uh, someone named Adrian who was going through a sex transition. They showed up at our church, and Adrian came uh, for really about a year. I got to know him well, and uh, his comment to me really stuck. He said, I know what your church believes, and he says, I've also never felt more welcomed and loved in a community like this before, Mm. and so I was able to talk to him and hear his story and... um, heartbreaking, but I'm also hopeful and hope to reconnect with him at some point. Last but not least, when it comes to pronouns, and this is where we're going to end, there's so much more to say. Um, you know, some Christians would say, you were born male and female, that's what the Bible teaches, so therefore you need to hold everybody else to that standard. If someone identifies as a different gender, it's wrong for you to bless that. On the opposite side of the spectrum, um, there are people who are saying. Jesus was constantly meeting people in the midst of their mess, whether it's the woman caught in adultery, Mm -hmm. the woman at the well, uh, even some of the disciples that Jesus invited them to to follow him. He met them where they were at. And in time then, you know, you invite them to repent and uh, follow Jesus. So what Mm -hmm. should you do? I would say, one, we're holding on to the Bible, and we believe the Bible says there are two genders. You are sexed as male and or female. And your biological sex has a lot to say about you being made in the image of God. However, as Pastor Ken and I have talked about this pastorally, one of the ways that we have tried to navigate this conversation is just call them by their name. Don't get caught up in the pronouns game um, and that fight there. But if someone wants to be called Adrian, I'm going to call them Adrian. If someone wants to be called Buckaroo, I'm going to call them their nickname, Buckaroo. So that's the way that we're pastorally walking in this. Is again, we in one hand hold the Bible, say there's male and female, and then secondly, I'm just going to call you by the name you want to be called by, and that's where we're going to begin. And in time, there's an invitation to repent and follow Jesus for you and for me and anybody else who's kind of dealing with sexual brokenness mm. at that level. So, all right, <laughs> yeah, take that was a, a lot. Yeah, probably the longest yeah. podcast we've ever done here at almost twenty five minutes. But there's more. Um, wanted to get out some of those, um, I don't know, the, the stats, the data, the research. There's more, so much more to say, but Sunday's sermon is to be a sermon, not like a research experiment or me just talking about data and analyzing it the whole time. So we thought that the podcast might be a more appropriate place to talk about some yeah. of these things. We're building the bridge as we walk on it. So thank you for being gracious with us, um, as we're being gracious with you. And I'm learning a lot right now in this series about myself, but about other people. And... Uh, I'm just grateful that Emmanuel has been known to be a a safe place, the Church of the Healing Heart, where people can come, be known, be loved, and be invited to repent and follow the way of Christ and experience life that um, Jesus describes to us, life and life to the full. Mm -hmm. So thanks for bearing with us on this Friday's podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on Sunday. Again, the two books I'm going to highly recommend, Embodied by Preston Sprinkle, and Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. I think they'll be very helpful. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.
0: The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.